Greetings, and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. Now, during this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and to realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today, we're having a conversation with two deans, the Dean Emeritus of the Upper Room Chapel, Reverend Beth Richardson, and in the newly installed Dean of the Upper Room Chapel, Reverend Dr. Amy Steele. Reverend Richardson is an ordained clergy person and a member of the Mountain Sky Conference of the United Methodist Church. Beth Richardson serves the Upper Room as the Dean Emeritus of the chapel, and she has served the Upper Room for over 35 years. She will be retiring at the end of 2022. Beth is a native Oklahoman, is a photographer, an artist, a musician, a writer, and worship nerd. Beth has the honor of sharing life with her family in Nashville, Tennessee. And she's passionate about dogs, particularly Scotties. Dr. Steele has served as the Assistant Dean for Student Affairs and Community Life at Vanderbilt Divinity School for the past 10 years. And since 2019, She's become a vital part of the Upper Room, co-sponsoring an event to honor Howard Thurman, offering centering prayer to the Vanderbilt Divinity School community, and most recently, providing leadership in the chapel e-courses. Amy is an administrator, a womanist social ethicist who has deep commitments to understand faith, preaching, and social justice. Her research interests also include 20th century Black religious thought, especially the works of Howard Thurman. She lives in Nashville area with her son, a rising senior in high school, and her niece and nephew. So we welcome our esteemed colleagues. We are delighted that you are here with us today. And we're seeing this new double flame rising up out of the upper room chapel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Colleagues, I think it must be the fire of double dean leadership. Amen. <laughs> I'll take a page from one of our 20th century minstrels, Brother Marvin Gay, and ask the question, Reverend Beth Richardson and Reverend Dr. Steele, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is perfect, uh, Dr. Wilson, Cynthia Wilson. Thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, what's going on? Well, a lot, a lot, lots is going on right now. So I don't know if you if you really want us to answer that question. <laughs> I'll, I'll 
just say I have just recently participated in two events that the Upper Room sponsored. The Academy uh, for Spiritual Formation did a five-day academy. It was absolutely excellent. Actually, Beth and I were both there. Uh, an Academy for the World. Mm. An Academy for the World. Uh, there were two featured speakers, Reverend Dr. Ron Bell and the Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor. Many are familiar with her numerous works. They mm-hmm. were both plenary session leaders at the Academy Five Day, and it was just excellent and a deep reminder of um, why I'm interested in this work to begin with. And then just this past Saturday, we participated in, Beth and I again participated in an, an Academy One Day. And the Academy One Day uh, was an academy that focused on Christendom, healing the wounds of Christendom, reclaiming the good mm. news of the gospel. So just a, a tremendous um, event as well. So those are some of the most recent things we've been up to in addition to talking with colleagues and meeting with colleagues um, from the Emmaus Ministries and the Prayer Wall and the Academy. Amen. Well, Beth, you've been present through many changes at the Upper Room and more recently, the change from in-person to online services. wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what you found to be most challenging and then what what are the rewarding parts of that transition? Sure. Um, It's, uh, by the way, it's just so good to be together with you guys today. And um, I'm just so excited about getting to have the rest of this year with Dr. Steele and um, having a... another worship nerd right in the upper room to, to lead worship (laughs) with. So that's, um, I'm so excited about that and, uh, welcoming, uh, welcome to you, Dr. Steele. It has been with, uh, changing from in-person to online. It's just been so exciting to find a new audience for our chapel services. Um, before the pandemic, I would I would post pictures on Facebook from the services and people would ask if they could watch the recording. And I would say, oh, no, we don't have those capabilities. <laughs> and, and then the pandemic hit and like so many other, you know, worship leaders and in faith communities, we started streaming the services. It wasn't until August of 2020 that we uh, started doing that. And, you know, the challenges were just, you know, all about how learning how to stream, you know, figuring out the technology and how to, you know, how to pick music that's covered by our license and, you know, all those things that all you worship people everywhere have, have had to have had to learn. Uh, We, we had a, a generous guy who came in and showed us how to hook up a we bought a new iPad pro and then we have like somebody's old iPhone six and, and maybe and then an old eight that we hooked up for the three camera angles. And if the service goes too long, the six runs out of battery, you know? <laughs> I think that sounds very familiar for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and oh, by the way, we are, um, we've gotten a grant to purchase equipment to upgrade these, uh, the streaming of the services and having like, 
mounted cameras that can be controlled from the choir loft, which is up in the back. And instead of uh, folks come into the chapel, they hopefully won't feel like they're watching a worship program, you know. So that's coming in later this year. It has been so so rewarding to to truly reach a global audience. Mm. Um, you know, we've been global from from the early early days, and for the first time, we're able to meet meet together in the chapel and worship as people of faith from from all over the world. So um, that's, that's think, such a blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've been an amazing gift to mm-hmm. discipleship ministries and to this United Methodist Church, my friend. And we just give God thanks for the gifts and graces that you have so so lovingly and generously displayed with uh, Upper Room Chapel. Derek? No, well, I'm, I'm really interested in knowing about this two-dean thing that we've been talking about, <laughs> that Cynthia talked about. Whose idea was it? Is this, a, is this a precedent or is this brand new, this overlap that you're doing? Um, who, who came up with this idea? Well, it it happened that um, I guess a lot of folks, you know, when the pandemic hit, they kind of went, okay, what am I doing? And so last year sometime, um, I went ahead and shared with um, the leaders of the upper room that I would be retiring at the end of 2022. And we don't usually work out this far ahead, but um, the spirit said, hey, y'all, this is an opportunity. And so um, the intent, it actually happened, was to try to have somebody start in early 2022 and for us to be able to to work together. And I also have some other projects that I'm needing to do for the Upper Room, um, documenting the content of the four magazines that have gone out of print and getting those in an electronic format so that we can reuse that content. So as Dr. Steele comes on more, uh, taking on more of the the work, I'll be kind of in the basement (laughs) of our building, um, you know, (laughs) looking at, you know, getting, I'm sorry, (laughs) the vaults, (laughs) haunting the The place, you know, because we've got like all the paper file, you know, all the legal files are just all in folders down there. So I'll be doing some of that, but look how cool it is that uh, I think it's really cool to, to get to work with Amy for the rest of the year. No kidding. And and how did it feel to you, Amy, to come in to know that your predecessor is is sitting there? <laughs> did it feel like she's looking over your shoulder or, or a companion in Christ? How, how did that feel when you learned how this was going to happen? Oh, that is a great question. You know, the very first time, Derek, that I had to say that I was the new dean of the Upper Room Chapel, I stumbled <laughs> because <laughs> Beth was in my presence and I thought, oh, this, this giant, this great. No, but she has been wonderful. You know, one of the benefits and maybe your your audience can really resonate with this. Um, one of the benefits of our being together this year is having a conversation partner, someone mm-hmm. to plan with and collaborate. Yes. Mm-hmm. We meet weekly, but we talk more than that. You know, we're just always sort of talking about worship and what it's looked like over the years at the upper room. So it's it's actually been, she's been a companion. I mentioned this uh, last week. She's been a companion of the soul in so many mm-hmm. different and rewarding ways. 
That's incredible. Well, knowing Beth, that's what we imagined. But but you never know how you really feel when it's actually happening. You, know? <laughs> you wanted her to tell, and you wanted her to tell us in front of. I want to hear. I wanted yeah. to hear the secret <laughs> stuff. That's what I wanted to hear. What's really going on? Well, well, and, uh, Amy, you were introduced as a worship nerd. Uh, I love that phrase. We're we're all kind of that way. That's why we're on mm. this team. But. But you had worship responsibilities at Vanderbilt, and now you're coming in here uh, to the Upper Room Chapel. What, what changes? What do you see that's different? What carries over from, from what you were doing before? What new ideas do you have? To, tell us both. That's a question. Isn't that a question? That I'm asking a, you to look hmm. back and look forward at the same time. <laughs> but tell me what you were doing and yeah. tell me what you're going to do. That's all I want to know. Yeah. Well, there's some synergy, Derek. Um, you know, part of what I did at the Divinity School for that particular worshiping community was plan worship, you know. And some of the synergy that I, I'm, I'm witnessing now between the Divinity School and the upper room is this idea of planning around themes. You know, it was one of those questions that um, we Beth and I both had a lot of energy around. She asked me, you know, so so what are you what are you how are you used to planning? And um, and I told Beth that, you know, I'm used to planning with about four different calendars in front of me, you know, sort of who, who among us doesn't use, you know, four different calendars, exactly. so this is the lectionary calendar, you know, just sort of our academic calendar and then the larger, you know, sort of calendar around holidays, U.S. holidays. Um, and then thinking about those days uh, for many racial ethnic groups, you know, we have special in high holy days that we celebrate that don't necessarily get reflected in those other calendars. And mm-hmm. so thinking about, you know, the the ordering and the measuring and the holding of time for all the folks that come together to worship. I, I see both, um, you know, my work at the Divinity School and our work here at the Upper Room sort of doing the same thing. So that's mm-hmm. one big place of synergy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and when you talk, as Beth was talking before, about being a global community, good heavens, the calendar just multiplied <laughs> all over the place as you try to gather up some of those other mm-hmm. aspects. Do you see yourself of trying to touch into that global community that, that we are becoming? Yeah, I, I, you know, I see I see the work of the upper room is doing that. But I think that, you know, one of the things I look forward to the most is partnering with you all, you know, partnering with world services, because you've been doing this work forever, having these conversations and thinking about worship. You know, the, there's a word that's emerged over the years, the local, you know, sort of thinking about mm-hmm. worship both mm-hmm. as a local enterprise and the, the global um, manifestations of that. So it's sort of it's holding a lot. Um, it's sort of bringing multiple things into conversation with each other, but it's exciting work. It's really an adventure in building community. Well, a question that I have um, is regards um, the chapel uh, space, because as we just talked about going to online worship, that all of our churches have had to negotiate somehow, you know, navigate this whole new world. And then um, as people are coming back to church, they're trying to figure out how do you maintain a space that is uh, camera friendly and makes people feel they're a part of the worshiping that's happening there. At the same time, uh, friendly for people coming into uh, the physical space. So I guess my question is, 
what are your thoughts and dreams um, for how we do worship in the chapel in the future? And, and how do we make the architecture function better? Mm, mm. Well, you know, this is the million dollar question, Diana, right? Um, I have really benefited from recent conversations as recent as um, I'm sort of losing track of time. I think it was this week we had conversations with folks um, on the upper room side, helping us to think through um, what that space has been and what it is now and what it could be and, and what figures into that conversation so prominently is this big question that even, you know, you and you and I have talked about as well, the big question of what does it mean to be hybrid? You know, what mm. is a hybrid, a good hybrid worship service look like? And quite frankly, y'all, I think that, you know, we're still discovering what that means. Um, mm-hmm. I was challenged um, in a conversation, the conversation I mentioned earlier this week, we were challenged to think about um, hybrid worship as beginning um, not on the day and at the time of the worship service, but, um, you know, there are ways for us to begin to think about uh, the worshiping community that joins us virtually even before we meet together for Mm -hmm. worship. And that's one of the things that I'd like to really consider. Um, uh, We had a worship, internal worship summit, um, which both the upper room side of discipleship ministries and the world services side of discipleship ministries came together. And and we had, I thought, Mm -hmm. a a really great conversation where we were asking ourselves some of these questions. Um, And a big takeaway for me, quite honestly, was, you know, thinking about how do you attend to both audiences well? Yes. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? And so I'm going to be thinking a lot along with my colleagues about how to do that. Um, and, and one of the ways is really, like I just said, you know, just sort of imagining what are the, what are the needs? What are the participant needs, the congregational needs? What are the, what are the needs of the folks that are gathered, um, in the sanctuary in person? And what are the needs of the folks that are meeting us online? And to really Mm -hmm. to take those needs seriously and think about, um, this was the other piece to think about both communities as potential partners in ministry. You know, they're not just receptors, you know, sort of passive Mm -hmm. receptors, but our potential um, partners in ministry. So those are just a couple of things. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering from that conversation, Amy and and Beth too, is what, what role does worship play in the life, the constituency of the community? You know, is worship the center? Does everything flow from worship or does is worship one of those elements, one of the many elements that helps give us identity? How, how do you view what what you are doing both for discipleship ministries and then the, the wider community, um, maybe even the global community as well? And, and by the way, we have heard the word global. That's one of <laughs> Cynthia's favorite words. She, okay. she keeps piping up with that all the time. Yeah, so we're familiar with that, yeah. Mm, but mm. but where does worship fall for you? Um, in in your planning, in your thinking, in your in your understanding, identifying of what the community really is. Mm. This is a really you know, Derek. This is a theological question, you know, deeply theological question for me, and um, 
and it's probably a both end, but I like to think of worship as a, a mechanism that helps us deepen our identity. You know, what I mean by that is, <laughs> um, I'm going to share a story. So when we were at the five day Academy, um, two weekends ago, we began each day in worship and it was just, you know, I said this to Beth, it was a really interesting way of waking up the spirit or, you know, of waking, Mm. waking up the, you know, waking up your senses, waking up the spirit. Um, And one of the songs that we sang each day was All Shall Be Well. And this was a song or is a song that's written by Beth Richardson, right? And um, we were there for five days and that was ingrained in my spirit. And uh, I met a new friend there and she and I exchanged uh, phone numbers. And (laughs) one of the things that we both said after that five day, this must have been the Monday, the following Monday when we were back is that she woke up with that song in her mind and I went to sleep with it in my mind, (laughs) you know? So that's sort of what I mean by a deepening of identity. Um, you know, we have a particular kind of religious for Christians, a Christian identity. And I just really feel like that identity gets deepened when we worship. You know, those songs Mm. remain with us. Scriptures that, you know, if you're fortunate, like I was to grow up in the church, there's just some scriptures that I can't shake. You know, they're with me. And Mm -hmm. so hearing those, um, first in church and hearing the music of the church, um, hearing the preaching of the church, that just deepens um, for me, my identity and what it means to be a faithful person, a faithful person seeking justice in the world. And, And I really, you know, love it when worship really reaffirms that and calls us back into that identity. Amen. That's profound. That's even deeper than the question was. So thank you for, <laughs> for, for taking that with us. Beth, Beth, as the emeritus, uh, you've been doing worship in the life of discipleship ministries and Upper Room for so many years. So, what, how would how would you echo what Amy just said in in your understanding of the place of worship in in the life of that community? Y'all, Amy is like the theologian and I'm like, Oh, wow. That's really (laughs) deep. Y'all what the thing that came to my mind though, is that, um, worship is where our hearts meet the heart of God. Mm. Um, that's maybe that's just my mystical side. Um, and, um, you know, I did a, I did some, uh, a training for spiritual direction a couple of years ago and, realized that for me, worship planning is spiritual direction. Mm. Um, when I plan worship, I am thinking about the congregation. I'm thinking about what's happening in their families and communities and in the world. And the songs and the scriptures and the prayers, you know, come together to speak to the needs of that person's heart at that moment. Um, it was kind of a wonderful thing to realize that that that's how I see worship planning because I, I really couldn't see myself sitting with one person that, you know, listen, I mean, I can see myself doing that, but that isn't my primary calling. You know, my primary calling is to liturgy. And so, um, I love that Beth. I love that 
that if if all of our worship uh, planners would think of worship planning as spiritual direction and, and how much they're considering the people in the pews and, of course, those now watching online, um, I think it would have such a deeper resonance all, mm-hmm. all around. So thank mm-hmm. you for that was Deeply theological. Yes. Thank you. That's right. Shoo. <laughs> We'd love for you all to check out the Academy podcast. Uh, you can find it on their website, academy.upperroom.org. And we'll also have a, another two-year Academy starting next year in January. I'll be serving as a worship leader, and Don Selliers will be our theologian, and he also plays the piano and organizes the musicians for the services. So we'd welcome any of you who need need some time apart to, to uh, reset your soul. This is also a great time to mention our website. It's just Upper Room Books. I love how simple that is, upperroombooks.com. And you'll find on our website, new resources for Lent. There's a new book that came out October of 2021 entitled Unrevealed Until It's Season, A Lenten Journey with Hymns. Uh, There's also another book and one of our guests today, the Reverend Beth Richardson wrote this book and I cannot find the title of it. Is it Walking Through the Wilderness, Beth? Walking in the Wilderness. Walking in the Wilderness. So two fantastic Lenten resources, which you can find on our upperroom.com website. Thank you. Well, uh, Dr. Amy, we are again thankful that you have agreed to come and uh, partner with us and to spend this time, especially this moment with uh, the worship team. And um, Beth, we, we, we're always thrilled to hang out with you mm-hmm. and we're going to really maximize those opportunities since you think you're headed toward the door. <laughs> so, uh, but we want to say to our listening audience uh, how much we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that this conversation has been informative for you. Uh, in addition to the rich arsenal of upper room resources you've heard from our esteemed colleagues uh, Reverend uh, Richardson and, and Reverend Steele. Remember that you can find preaching resources, music and worship ideas from various genres and generations and cultures at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. Let me say that again. It's umcdiscipleship.org. We would love to hear from you. And so send us an email and tell us what you think about these conversations. Uh, Amy has described for us the ways in which music functioned during the Academy retreat, and particularly Beth's All Will Be Well. And so I have asked Beth to close our time today with that powerful affirmation and blessing. Beth? Thank you. All shall be well. All shall be well, my peace I give to you, all shall be well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go well. 
This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org. Thank you.